0: Hello. Today Hi. we are talking. Damn
1: it! <laughs> well, we almost made it.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Classic Castlevania versus Igarashi era Castlevania. Today on Press B to cancel. Press B to cancel. <laughs>
2: I Igarashi was involved in all of them.
3: No. Alright, he's got to introduce us first.
2: Yes. Hi, I'm Werewolf.
0: Wait. No, you're not. Okay. Lion sack. <laughs> Guilt. But enough talk. Okay. Hello, today... I- <laughs> God damn it.
1: Because I only have five hours, okay? <laughs> so today... We're talking
0: about Castlevania, the old school platformer style, and then what most of us refer to as Metroidvania. And I am joined with Sick Jake.
3: Hey, great to be here.
0: Paul one hundred and nine. Howdy. And Guy Prime of the Retro Therapy. Hi. Oh. Oh. Perhaps later. It's going to be one.
2: It's going to be one of those podcasts. Okay. <laughs>
0: So, uh, this is a topic that I've seen the debates get pretty heated. So, before things are over, I just want to say it's been a good run, guys. I'm sorry, I love y'all. Now, maybe not later. We'll see. Getting
1: to know you, yeah.
0: (laughs) But uh, there's a lot of people out there who firmly believe one is far superior to the other, and I want to sort of tackle that, but. From a less um, objective standpoint, we're going to be a little more subjective about it, which I mean, I think that's what this discussion almost always is anyway. But yes, um, we're very
3: science specific. We're podcast.
0: not we're not picking the entire one side versus the entire other side. We're sort of picking favorites from either side and then weighing them against each other a bit. So um, I guess I will start my favorite classic Castlevania is Castlevania Bloodlines. And I only played that for the first time about a year ago. I'd i been pretty familiar with a lot of the standard platformers. And for sake of clarification, we're not including the 3D entries. Only 2D. We want to make this as even as possible here. But uh, have you guys touched Bloodlines at all?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the cart. That meant something on Genesis because I had, like, three or four genesis games tops
1: <laughs> uh no i have not i've not touched
3: bloodlines
0: what about you jake
3: yeah absolutely um my first experience with it was on the sega channel that we used to have as a kid for a little bit and i actually also love this one this is actually giving my pick
0: all right well then that shortens that up a little bit um four and a this and a half game hours. to me <laughs> really looks better Than any of the entries that came before it, including the Super Nintendo one. I can't I don't know when Rondo of I don't know when Rondo of Blood came out. I don't know a whole lot about Rondo of Blood. I didn't play it until it was on PSP. So bear with us on that one. I'm not too familiar with that. But I played Dracula X on the SNES, and that game was not that good. So it beats out the other ones.
3: (laughs) Well, okay, when you say graphics being better the best we got to dive a little bit under that one because I was actually talking earlier before the podcast about this. Some of this, the boss sprites are pretty bad. Like the Frankenstein, the, yeah. he's twice as tall, the character. He looks like so out of place, like a sprite rip was put into the game.
2: And don't forget the, the Clock Gears meets Vector Man.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Clock Gears meets well,
1: Vector Man. Um, but also, you know, Frankenstein can be varying heights. You're taking parts from other people. Maybe they're NBA players. We don't know.
0: GP does make a valid point. Devil's advocate. Hey, we don't know. He could have been, like, just a bunch of dead Russian guys.
1: Whoa. Look, (laughs) you said that. I didn't say that.
3: Like, can we we get away from the stereotypes in the movie industry, please? Please? (laughs) Sure thing.
2: But how are we going to talk about Castlevania?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It is all one giant trope, yeah.
2: But uh, I, I thought it looked a lot
0: better, and I even thought... A lot of the music was really good. The only thing I hated was the rest of the sound design. The music was good. Everything else about it was bad. But I think on the whole, this is probably my strongest entry in the classic platformer format.
1: Well, I got a question real quick about this one because I may have played it. Okay. Uh, Is this one that has like the descendants of the OG characters, like the guy who's from Texas? Yeah.
2: Yes. (laughs)
0: Oh, so, yeah, I've played this yeah, one. This
1: you're not okay. a Belmont.
2: You're John Morris. So they, they yeah, tried to see, tie it in with the Dracula novel. So that's, that's
0: John Morris. And uh, was it Eric Lacard?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the spear guy. OK.
1: OK, so is this the one that has the character like create your own character? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously. No, I have played this one uh, on the Genesis. I've got this multi cart that has it. I do like this one. Not as much as the NES entries, but this one is good.
3: See, for this one, I respect what they did with some of the graphic tricks they tried to do. And obviously, the Genesis has different hardware than the SNES. And they tried to do stuff you just can't do at Nintendo, right? Um, There's one leaning tower level. You're jumping on these, like, platforms away from these gargoyles that are chasing after you. And the platform or the tower in the background kind of leans back and forth. It's pretty cool. There's some really neat reflection tricks they try and do in some of the levels. But then sometimes... It's neat, but it doesn't really, it's not really effective. There's one stage where the screen is torn in three sections. And as you walk through, it's like the screen tearing effect on the character. Oh, yeah. Very weird. It's neat, but I don't know if it's good. So when it comes to graphics for me, I I feel it's a mixed bag.
2: I think in that level, it was supposed to be, um, I think they called it like the Hall of Mirrors or something like that. Yeah. It was supposed to be like. You were supposed
0: to have to monitor the the platforms in varying degrees to make sure you were jumping where you were supposed to be. Yeah, it yeah. was making you work a little bit outside the, the face value platforming mechanics.
3: Like a for effort for sure. It just, it just a bit fell flat for me there. But I mean, overall though, the multiple characters, I love playing as Eric LeCard with the spear. I found his playthrough fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is just absolutely killer. Um, you have the classic mm-hmm. tunes in there, but they have a lot of new stuff. That's great. Um, I, I found it pretty solid for a Castlevania game. There's a few things that are different. I still, to this day, don't understand why it's crystals that you pick up from candles instead of hearts. I don't understand why that's a thing. But I mean, overall, yeah, the I don't get the
0: gems over
3: hearts. Yeah, so, solid pick.
1: There's also one of the earlier stages where the stage is constantly flooding, and the the water line is raising up and up, and you're trying to move vertically, and it's a pretty tough stage for somebody like me. But I remember the first time I played that thinking this would be a dope Sonic level. <laughs> but legitimately, like that's that's where my mind was with that. And I, I enjoyed it enough once I got through it. It was one of those games where like playing through it was a bit of a chore, but you know, looking back retrospectively, it's it's pretty pretty tight game, pretty, pretty solid. So yeah, I, I like it.
0: Alright, so GP, let's move on to your pick.
1: Castlevania Bloodlines. Uh, no, I, I for me, honestly, of the OG Castlevanias, I love Simon's Quest. It's kind of controversial. I understand that. But really, that was the only Castlevania I had ever played up until about a year ago. I had seen some people play Castlevanias 1 and 3, uh, and I was a little familiar with 4. So when I was doing my first playthroughs of them, I really, at that point, did not have enough vocabulary with the series to identify which one was one or three. Um, I just knew two. So two for me has the nostalgia. I like the slightly more RPG-esque mechanics of it. Um, and as much as I, I really do enjoy three and one, two is just where it's at for me.
0: All right, now, before we get any further, I do want to address something. Uh, GP said he's unfamiliar with the Igavania-style Castlevanias. And (gasps) I think it's funny that his classic pick is the one that's kind of right between the two formats.
1: Yeah, (laughs) true. No, that sounds like some shit I would do. Uh, But no, when yeah, when you guys were like, hey, here's what the topic for the day is going to be, I had to ask a couple different times, like, Okay, what does, that mean? what does that word mean? Yes. I've heard Metroidvania 10,000 times, but I've never heard of egovania
0: Now, I do want to mention that apparently in an interview, everybody calls them Metroidvanias. Um, in an interview, Koji Igarashi has outright stated that he was not inspired by Super Metroid or Metroid at all. He was actually inspired by Zelda. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, aside from being overhead instead of 2D side on... They're basically the same gameplay loop, so it's not all that different. Sure. But uh, it's just kind of an interesting note there. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Castlevania too?
1: No, I mean I, I really just kind of going back to the RPG aspect of it. I, I like the find an item, take it back to this place. You know, hunting, hunting and gathering <laughs> is the Castlevania for the day for me. Yeah, that
0: that definitely drew me in as a kid too. That's one game I always was drawn to and just could never figure out since it had the poor translation.
1: Yeah, I will say this. Um, KBiz, you know, from, from the therapy channel, oh, the he, face uh, of retro. he donated, right, the Pizza of Retro, uh, happy birthday, Biz, he donated to the channel a, a cart of what they call the redacted version of Castlevania Two, which is an NES cart with a more accurate or at least a more understandable translation and so if you have the means of getting your hands on that type of version of the game uh i highly recommend it if it's your first playthrough
0: yeah definitely don't go grab the original if you have the option for this because (laughs) you're gonna be lost without a guide
2: we touched on this too when we were talking about castlevanias before but uh, the poor translation was also part of the idea behind the characters that you talk to it he was calling them deliberate liars. I'll never I'll never forget that now because it's just like, oh, they're supposed to be talking cryptic, stupid garbled crap. <laughs> so it was it was intentional, is the thing. Besides poor translation, it was actually they weren't really helpful to begin with.
0: I don't know. To me, poor translation and misleading dialogue just two things that should not go hand in hand to me. That's fair. Sorry, Jake, I stepped on you there.
3: but uh... it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm used to it.
0: <laughs> well, what two kids, you should be. the
3: loneliest number that there ever was? <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, Jake, we, we talked about this.
0: <laughs> what is your selection for the classic?
2: Uh, I used to be with GP I have, pretty much for all the same reasons. St- Simon's Quest was just my favorite. It was one of the few games that I had... So on NES I was like, oh, okay, cool. I I get to play this over and over and over again. Uh but after I struggled my way through Castlevania three, like about a year and a half ago, it's it's taken the place just for the the pure conquest of, of beating it and doing it all as Trevor Belmont, because I just apparently wanted to make myself suffer even more. So but anyways, yeah, it's it it replaced it the difficulties there, it, it's it's there's so much going for it. The music is amazing. It basically took the first one and ramped it up. I, I thought it felt super tight, as frustrating as it was. And after all the you know, the troubles playing through two, which I really didn't mind as a kid, now I'm just like I, I kinda like three more.
0: Three did have a lot of charm to it, like you said, with the multiple characters, it definitely added a lot of depth to the game.
2: Yeah. And there's more, you have different routes you can take, routes you can take, sorry.
0: Even then, some of those decided by your party.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you don't get the same experience if you if you want to play it a different way, you get a different experience, and I think that was really ahead of its time.
3: It's very influential on other games of that genre, I think, for sure. It's definitely the most polished Castlevania, I think, for the classic games. I I think it's a great one, too, as well. I love the multiple characters. I think that's such a, a game changer for the series.
0: I really enjoyed playing as Grant in that one.
3: I couldn't do it. I was terrible with him. <laughs>
0: Just climbing on the walls and the ceiling. It was great.
2: Yeah, when you go from playing as a Belmont with Belmont mechanics to, you know, being able to jump three quarters of the screen and stick to walls and ceilings, it's it's a game changer.
0: Yeah, he's basically Spider Grant. Yeah.
2: I want want to say, though, that it was very tough for me, because I kind of think of the original three on Nintendo as the OGs, and then everything else after that is kind of this uh, fork in the road where everything is different, and Super Castlevania IV might be my first, compared to three, I'm not sure. If I had to play one, or if I had to play a single one, I should say, not one, it would probably be Super Castlevania, but the most satisfying win was definitely three.
0: Hmm. All right. And then we can move on to discussing our picks for the egovania uh, format. So, uh, Paul, how about you start us off since you finished us off on that one?
2: Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I'm going with the originator. Completely fair. It's just good. I, the story, the fact that they changed it up so much, it starts off like a typical... Castlevania, you know, you have the two D, you have the two D aesthetic. The sprites are really beautiful. They're really well animated. Um, the music kicks in. I mean, you're rushing in and getting in through the the gates of uh, the castle right away and barely make it. You know, and it just kind of gets you amped right away. And then it looks so familiar the first section is basically the first level of Castlevania one. So they have that nostalgia that just hits you right in the gut. And then they just, you know, your OP is anything. And then next thing you know, Oh, you're, you're basically a nobody and you have to start from, start from the bottom again. And it's like, Oh, cool. So now I got to work my way back up. So you get a taste of all the power and then, then they take it from you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a Metroid game. You know, they, or at least Metroid Prime, where you have all the goodies and then you you lose it. Then you got to get yourself back, and then you come back even stronger.
0: Yeah, that's a... At least it used to be a pretty standard way of doing things with video games. I I remember Lufia did it? Just with different parties? Right. Yeah, Symphony of the Night is definitely a very, very good entry. It's it's not really been topped too well by subsequent Igavania-style games. And then it has its fair share of issues, but uh, I think overall it's it's still aged pretty well. Some of the acting, though, was super cheesy. Oh, yeah. The voice actor for Alucard, he kind of nailed it because he wasn't that good. It really made Alucard kind of sound disinterested in everything, which would make sense for the most part. But I don't think it was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> <Accidental> <laughs> no offense genius. to the guy, he had an amazing voice for it. But I don't think he was uh, the sort of acting they were really looking for in the final form. It was just it worked out.
3: Was that but quote? He a lot of the dialogue was humanity? Humanity? What is man but something?
2: Nothing better. Oh no, that uh, was that was Dracula. Oh, that's that's, Dracula. Yeah, that's Richter and Dracula.
0: What is a man? I I mean it's it's got such memeable quotes in the game and everything like that, but the writing was a little cheesy. The only thing I will give it is like at the end, what what game has a final boss quoting the Bible at you after you kick his ass? You know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was that was really nice touch.
0: I guess I will give my pick which would actually be probably Aria of Sorrow. I feel like Aria of Sorrow did what Symphony of the Night did, but a little better. It didn't have the voice acting, but it also didn't have just the castle upside down again. It was right. a big map that didn't just rehash pieces of it.
3: So for people listening, which one was that? Was on the DS or the GBA?
0: That was, GBA. GBA that was the GBA one. That
3: was the advance, yeah.
0: That was uh, Soma Cruz.
3: Okay, yeah.
0: And in the year 2037, I believe it was?
1: The the distant future, 2037. Yeah. Uh, 2035. Was it
0: 2035? Yeah. Okay, then the DS one was 2037.
3: 65 billion years in the future, <laughs> Soma Cruz is here to take on Dracula and Riker.
0: <laughs> I will say that uh, the Sorrow games, Arya and Donov, they really made me want to see what they could do with the actual War of 1999 that's mentioned in those ones a lot, where Dracula's actually killed. Right. And then Konami just
2: never delivered. There's been a lot of... Classic uh, Konami. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of things over the series of the games that... Uh, the timeline has been, like, tainted and convoluted so many times that... Yeah. You know, I think there's a quite the long list.
0: I think they even allude to the War of 1999 in uh, Curse of Darkness. Really? Yeah, there's the time traveler guy. Where's the top hat?
2: Oh, yes, yes.
0: I think he mentions it. He, well, he alludes to it, rather. He doesn't outright mention it, but he says things that you can easily connect to that. And then that was it. <laughs> that so was I'm the not- last we got of it.
3: I'm not familiar with this at all. What war of 1999?
0: Okay, so in Aria of Sorrow, there's a Belmont running around the castle trying to figure out why the castle's back. You know, he's the one who initially killed Dracula in 1999. There was actually a big war at Castlevania. There were armies, military armies, attacking the castle, and then armies of demons fighting back. And Julius Belmont got in there, and sealed Dracula in an eclipse. That's how they killed him.
3: That's weird. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, because normally
2: they just kill him, and every hundred years he comes back, so you have to fight, yeah. him, fight him again.
1: Science is kind of funny that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Or are right. you?
0: But uh, anyway, back with Arya of Sorrow, the, the soul collecting or spirit collecting, I think it was souls. It, uh I, th- I feel like it added something to what Symphony of the Night was doing. And then they also gave you a bit more variety in weapon types, which was nice. So I-, I feel like, personally, Aria of Sorrow expanded on the Symphony of the Night format and mostly improved upon it. Yeah, it sucks that it was on GBA, so the sound isn't quite as good because you have that stupid little GBA hiss constantly. But other than that, I think it was great. All right, Jake, how about your pick?
3: Uh, Okay, so for me, uh, my pick is Symphony of the Night also. Um, But before I get into that for a minute, I did want to touch base on uh, the first GBA one. I believe it's Circle of the Moon. Yeah. Yes. So that one, I almost selected that one, mostly because of the, the upgrade system. I found it very interesting how you collected these tarot cards and you combine the two together to get different effects in the whip. I found that just incredibly fun and very rewarding when you found one of the levels. So I almost picked that one.
0: I do feel like Circle of the Moon is underrated.
3: Yeah, and it it's great. Like I get the appeal of the later ones for sure, but Circle of the Moon, I think, is a tight game on its own, right? But that's not my favorite. My favorite is Symphony of the Night. To expand on a bit, I'm impulsed. The reason why I like it so much is because there's actually two characters in it, right? Like there's a game that keeps on giving in terms of surprises. All right, first off, you you beat the game, or you think you do, and there's a whole second castle. That's mind blowing to my head. Spoilers, but after spoilers, <laughs> yeah, if I, I ruined a 30 year old game, sorry. <laughs> right, but the inverted castle is incredibly awesome to play through. But then after, when you realize you can input Richter, I think there, there's a name you input in the save file, and you get to play the entire game as Richter. This is amazingly, drastically different gameplay I, when you're playing as Richter. There's no inventory, there's no items. It's literally all your abilities are unlocked at the beginning, from what I remember. Or you might get a few later on.
2: Yeah, I never even got far enough. It, it is tough.
3: Yes. So I remember doing it as a teenager. I, I beat as Richter. Um, but like he takes incredible amounts of damage from the from the monsters, the bosses especially. But he's a lot more powerful. I think Paul you said it best before the podcast you said he's a glass cannon and that's yeah absolutely he's definitely true. A
2: glass cannon, except for like glass cannon makes me think final fantasy monk and he does not get around like a monk does
3: <laughs> well he but he has a lot more mobility though like he has the backflips and slide attacks and, and like the dash moves like and they all they all do damage the so they're all dragon attacking. punch yeah he's incredibly fun to play like <laughs> he is he has a, a much wider variety of moves than i expected
2: but it is definitely hard mode when you're playing as Richter. So
3: Yeah, absolutely different. Um, but it's great to play as. And like I guess the sprites are very similar to uh, Rondo. I mean, that's a Konami trait with the series, right? They, they take sprites from one game and they reuse them constantly throughout the series. They've been criticized for that. But in this case, being able to play as a completely different character I think is amazing. Um, I've always wanted to play the Saturn version of Symphony of the Night because you can also play as Maria in that one. Even though yeah, that port is bad?
0: she is a badass in that game.
3: Oh, is she? Okay. Yes. Because like, I think she uses like a uh, summons animals and pigeons and stuff, I think. Right.
0: Yeah, she's got, I believe it was three different types of magic. And each of those comes with, with its different summons. Yes,
3: yeah, so that sounds amazing to play through. So I want to, my goal is to play the Saturn port of Symphony Night at some point this year. Um, even even though I know it's not, it's great. There's some transparency issues, and it's it's a little bit laggy in spots. But still, the fact that there'd be three characters in that game is amazing to me. Um, and I also just I also just like card as well. I like what they did with the game in terms of the inputs to do special abilities, like you know the Street Fighter style. Uh, I love the inventory system. I love the the variety of the weapons. Uh, like I know like people like to dump on me for liking Warframe. But the reason I like Warframe, as much like I like Symphony of the Night, is the weapons themselves can be very distinctly different, right? This is a game where if you equip the shield rod, its attacks change completely based on what shield you're carrying, right? Yeah, and it becomes um, the as
2: weapon in the game, so.
3: Yeah, and it's hilarious. There's another one the jewel sword, which when you do it, right, can turn enemies into gems. There's, a, I mean, the, the sword that summons undead army when you do the input for it. Like, there's a lot of really cool... Uh, weapons in the game and items that may not be the best throughout the playthrough, but it can be incredibly fun to play with. It just really rewards you to find those hidden items and just, when you start playing with them and experimenting with them, and you realize how unique they are from some other ones. I mean, there's a lot of similar daggers and stuff too, but but I really love the inventory system in that game, and I don't think it was replicated as well in, in the other titles. To be fair, I never did play the DS ones, so I don't know how those ones play. I've only played Symphony of Night and the GBA ones.
0: You know, the DS games were only edged out by Aria of Sorrow for me. Otherwise, I probably would have gone with Portrait of Ruin because of the touch screen requirements. Had they not implemented the touch screen for gameplay mechanics, I would have been with Aria of. S- I would have been with one probably Portrait of Ruin.
3: So, how would they force the touch controls? What were they doing with it?
0: I don't remember exactly how it worked in Portrait of Ruin. And it's been so long since I played it. Maybe Portrait of Ruin didn't rely on it. But I know in Aria or in Dawn of Sorrow, after you beat a boss, you had to seal the boss by drawing on the screen. Oh, okay. And if you didn't do it in the time frame or you didn't do it right, I think you had to go back and fight it with a little bit more health.
3: Oh, that would be really bad. Get
0: another chance to do it. Yeah, it was very frustrating.
3: Yeah, like, I'm, I'm always hit or miss when it comes to touch controls, but that sounds like a, a bad implementation for it.
0: Yeah, especially a game like that, where it's very frantic and you're running around and then you gotta, like, you, the, your finger was pretty inaccurate at trying to draw these little lines that it put on the screen, so you really had to grab for the stylus and draw on the screen in the allotted time and hope you did it right.
2: Oh, I remember that. It was yeah. a bad implementation, for sure. I, I really remember that now, yeah. Like I was I was playing the game with uh with the stylus in my mouth all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I did that too after a while, actually. Pretty sure the end of my stylus on my uh my yeah. Uh before we get too far from talking about Symphony of the Night though, I do want to mention that in the PSP version you also could play as Maria. However, her movesets were changed.
3: Is it like the same sprites and everything or? Or different?
0: I think she was the same sprite, but her overall, like all her spells and everything were completely changed. She does not play the huh. same as she did on the Saturn.
3: I'll have to look that one up and, and see which one is better to she play She was through. actually,
0: in my opinion, she got nerfed. Oh. <laughs> she was pretty overpowered in the Saturn version, but that's what made it fun. You just summon a big-ass dragon that would wipe out everything on screen.
3: Like, I'm cool with that.
2: She dropped quick if you if you got hit. So
0: yes, and then I'd also like to remind you of being able to play as an axe armor.
3: Yeah, so I did that as well, and it's neat. But I never did a very far. I never really got far with it. I mean, because you move the axe armor is really clunky, right?
0: Mm Hmm. So in the U.S. the original release, or in the Western release initially, you technically had three ways you could play the game, and then in the Saturn re-release, you had four. So it, it did have a lot for it.
3: Did it change the endings at all or is it the same ending, regardless of what you look like?
0: Um No, I think there were only endings based on progress.
3: I'm just looking at speedrun.com and they have categories for Alucard, Richter, and Maria, but but no axe armor. I was just I was just curious if that made crazy enough to actually go through the game as axe armor.
0: Well, I don't think axe armor was Exactly, axe armor. I think you'd put on a piece of armor, and it would transform Alucard.
3: Oh, okay. it has been so long.
0: I think that's how it worked. So that's why it it still had the stat screen and all that, and he technically got stat ups, but it sucked.
3: As a as a fun joke, you want to guess what the speedrun record is for Symphony of the Night?
0: Mm, twenty eight minutes.
3: That's pretty close. It's actually sixteen for Alucard. <laughs> oh. And it's wow. mind blowing. It's five for Richter. <laughs>
2: Jeez, That's crazy.
3: seven as Maria. That's wild.
2: Well, yeah, but as Richter, you basically just run to Dracula and fight him.
3: So, yeah, I guess you don't need to find the items and stuff. But I, I have to watch that after because I'm curious now what items they they are required to pick up to make progress. That seems
0: I knew wild it was. I knew it was low because I'm pretty sure I heard of a guy doing it in under 40 minutes, blindfolded. which is just mind-blowing to know the like that big of a game that well that's ridiculous
3: that sounds like a date night to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know that's you mean five minutes (laughs) (laughs) harsh but but not wrong not wrong (laughs) yeah i just love uh, Symphony night is so good i just i just love everything about it like a lot of the ways I'll, i'll say the music and the classic ones are better but the gameplay wise i just love Symphony night
2: I mean, the music in Symphony of the Night is still amazing, too. Symphony
0: of the Night had some amazing music, but the Upside Down Castle had like three songs.
2: Yeah, this is true.
0: That was my issue with the Upside Down Castle, is it did not have enough music.
2: It's okay, it's still my favorite.
0: So I think all my issues with Symphony of the
2: Night stem from the Inverted Castle.
3: Right, but but without it, it's, it's half a game, right?
2: Like, it, it was a cheesy way of f- filling out the game, it felt like, but the way they did it felt like they weren't, they, they worked around it somehow, and, you know, it was a cheesy idea, but executed really well.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Alright, uh, I'm just so... fanboying,
2: so don't worry about me.
0: <laughs> Jake, your pick between the two. Would you side with Bloodlines, or would you side with Symphony.
3: Oh, no, it's got to be Symphony of the Night. In In terms of just the, the sheer amount of gameplay and value from Symphony of the Night, it, it trumps everything that Bloodlines is. And Bloodlines is a good example of the classic ones for replay, because you do have the two characters, but Symphony of the Night, just the Richter, the Alucard, the Inverted Castle, I spent dozens of hours with that game versus, what, a couple hours of Bloodlines? It's no contest for me. And, like, the sound design in Symphony of the Night is way better. Um, the music, I probably like Bloodlines better. I, I I find the classic Evania songs are far more memorable than Symphony of the Night. Like I can't name a single Symphony of the Night tune if I heard it. It just sounds a little too generic to me. But that's I know that I'm in the minor- minority for that one. Um, but gameplay, hands down, Symphony of the Night.
2: All right, how about you, Pulse? Oh man, I was I was preparing myself for that this whole time, and now I don't know what to say. <laughs> 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 I uh, I love Mason Ecovanias. I love. Them. They're just satisfying, but they're a completely different beast than the old Castlevanias than the Classics. I think Super Castlevania IV may tie it, like may beat out the rest of them slightly. But I don't want to give up one for the other. If you had to make me give up one for the other, I, I'm gonna go with the classics just for that. But that's only because without the classics you wouldn't have Symphony of the Night, so I mean I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, so I <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with the OG ones. It it hurts. I feel like I'm I'm cheating on
1: a lover.
0: Since GP's pick was technically straddling the line and he's not really too familiar with the Igavania games in general.
1: I think I have to go with
3: uh, Order of Ecclesia. At a boy. Go on. Give me your 15 reasons why it's better.
1: Yeah, let's hear him. Let's hear it. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this, though. If anybody ever, like, to me, the definition of Egovania is, I've always called it the blank of blank series. Because literally, Aria of Sorrow, Order of Ecclesia, Dawn of Sorrow, Portrait of Ruin, Harmony of Dissonance. They're all blank of blank they're titles. All music terms, generally, So, I think too, that's...
2: Usually. Except for, like, Circle
1: of Moon. Yeah, that's... Uh, but no, yeah, clearly I'm going with Castlevania Two. Uh, I've watched a lot of Symphony of the Night, uh, and I enjoy that one. I know Aria has kind of that indie movie feel to it where it's critically very well received, but it's not a huge seller. At least back in Japan it wasn't. So I respect it for that. But uh, yeah, make mine Castlevania II, Simon's Quest.
0: Alrighty. And then for me, I I do have to go with the Igavanias over the classics. I do love the classic games. I grew up on them. They're the reason I love Castlevania. But after that, I just, I kept falling in love with the Symphony of the Night, Nocturne in the Moonlight, and then subsequent releases after that. I just kept wanting one on a home console, and they kept not giving it to me. That's the only thing that frustrated me about that. But I got to go with the, the Igavanias on this one. There's just... So much more gameplay in every entry. And yeah, not all of them are good. Like uh what's the one with Juiced Belmont? Is that Harmony of Dissonance?
2: That's dissonance, yeah. Yeah. That game was name. so
0: awful. And <laughs> I don't understand why. That one was I I I remember trying it and I was like, gosh, this game is ugly, and gosh, this music is terrible. And then I read an interview and they were like, Oh yeah, we gave up the uh I don't remember which side it was on, but they sacrificed one of the aspects for the other. Right. <laughs> I don't remember if it was they sacrificed the graphics for the sound or the sound for the graphics. But either way, they were both awful. Yeah, they were both So bad, I don't understand so. where the sacrifice came in.
2: I was, I was into <laughs> it. It was one of the Game Boy Advance games I actually had, but... It was, it was more me being like, oh, I will take anything that has Castlevania written on it at this point. So, <laughs> But looking back, especially looking at the screenshots, I'm just like, that was terrible. And you always had this weird glow, like uh, you had this blue aura around your character. Mm-hmm. And I, I never understood why.
0: <laughs> they made a lot of weird choices with that game. They made both the main characters look like Michael Jackson in
2: different years. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my god, thank you.
1: <laughs> so would you say these these games do So they, don't... they sacrifice graphics for sounds.
0: Yeah. What's that? I didn't hear anything.
1: Oh god, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I talked over Jake. Jake, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, do you mean these games don't do the Castlevania series justice?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm done now. Sorry, JP, I go see ahead. what you did there.
1: Well, no, I I was just saying you couldn't remember if they were sacrificing visuals for sound or the opposite... But if uh the character just looks like Michael Jackson from different eras, my guess is they sacrifice graphics for sound <laughs> and I mean, no disrespect. I really love Michael, but Shut uh up. yeah the mu- the music is better. <laughs> I have to look that one up. I don't know anything about that, but I'll be honest. you had me at blue aura i have to I have to look into it now.
2: It looks like you have um like in Final Fantasy six, you know when you have. Slow or anything on you, and you have that colored aura. Basically, instead of having the blackout. Oh yeah, it was like, like that because you had a right. do that with a blue yeah. one instead of pink or white. It would
0: fade in and out, right? It wasn't constant blue. It would fade black to blue to yeah. black to blue, or something like that, or white to blue. I like don't
3: today, it probably looks hard. It doesn't look that great, and it looks kind of cheesy. But when you're playing a handheld, I think it would probably improve things.
0: No, it didn't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'm wrong. <laughs> That's well, when GJ. I played
0: it. It was bad. I, I have it on the GBA. It's okay, because I played bad. Circle
3: of the Moon on GBA, and there's some sequences that were kind of hard to pick out with the character in the background, because everything was so dark, right? Circle of the Moon still
2: looks a lot better, in compar- especially in comparison. Circle of the Moon,
0: for the platform, looked great. And then there was Aria of Sorrow, for the platform, looked great. And then there was Harmony of Disson- Dissonance. And dissonance indeed it was so <laughs> far behind the other two
2: yeah it, it, <laughs> it lived was, up to it his was title
0: unbelievable not even that like i actually gave the game a really good fair shake a while back it was just there were hallways that were repeats of other hallways in the game there were segments of gameplay where they just copy pasted hallways to make the game feel bigger than it was and it was just more backtracking than needed to be. It was not interesting. So that's that's my one, the one I hate in the Igavanias. But overall, besides that one, I think they were all great. <laughs> it's kind of hard to decide which one won from this, but uh, I don't think that was the point. I think it was just more to dig in and really see how we remember these, where we stand on them. And uh, honestly, it's all about the good times we have with these games anyway, right?
2: No, I want to be better than you yeah. at everything.
0: Oh, well, I guess the podcast is over then.
2: <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: God. Well, would you say there's any of these both classic and uh very uh, yeah, big ones that are just not worth your time today? I know Dissonance, you, you you shot on that one quite a bit, but like, yeah, what not the other ones?
0: Don't Harmony of Dissonance, and then, oh
2: gosh. Generally, I, generally, the rule is don't 3D when you Castlevania.
3: Yeah, see, I played the N64 one a little bit, and I, I just couldn't get into it. I know people like it, I just couldn't get into it.
0: I actually beat that one. I don't remember with which character, but I did beat it.
2: I couldn't beat it, and then they had like about a year later—not even a year later, I think it was—they had Legacy of Darkness, where you play as a werewolf. I beat that one, but I—I I never beat Castlevania '64.
3: Did Igarashi have a say in the 3D ones, or he was just strictly the 2D ones post classic?
2: I'm not sure. I, not I sure,
3: because he didn't. His first—the first one he worked on for Konami was Symphony of Night, right?
0: Yeah, I think that was the first one he directed. But see. Holding the N64 games against the PS2 games is kind of unfair. Sure, Lament of Innocence was not the best Castlevania by any means, but it also wasn't bad. No. And then Curse of Darkness actually did a pretty darn good job of bringing the Iggyvania format to 3D.
3: So for his works, he... Uh, special thanks, apparently, in Rondo of Blood. But he wasn't a director until something in the Night. Uh, he was at Konami in 92... Where he worked on Twin Bee and Gradius too, but yeah, he didn't touch Castlevania really until Castlevania Symphony the Night,
2: hmm.
3: and he was only promotional credit on Circle of the Moon. That's interesting. And then Harmony of well, Dennison, he was director, a producer, and scenario writer. That's that's oh. kind of interesting. Okay. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to take this outside of the Castlevania realm for the most part, as what he's been part of, because I know he just released Bloodstained, what, not even a year ago. Yeah. But uh, I've not had the chance to play that, and I still want to.
2: Yeah, me too. But
0: it's also not officially Castlevania, even though a lot of people are like, well, it may as well be Castlevania.
2: It's it's like the the clearest spiritual successor you could ever ask for.
3: Like the, the D-Mank, uh, call it Curse of the Moon, and then the new one, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Yeah, they are clear callbacks to Castlevania 3 and Symphony of the Night. Uh, I, I look forward to you guys playing it. We should do an episode after to talk about it, because I do like both of them. But uh, they're not Castlevania. I'm down for that.
0: All righty. Well, then I think we have our uh, discussion all wrapped up here. Is there anything else you guys would like to add to this?
3: I really like his hat. <laughs> like, what's the deal? <laughs> He's, He's always wearing a hat. So Igarashi is always wearing the cowboy hat in promotional pictures. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> it looks good on him. But it's just
0: yeah, bizarre. it works for him.
3: Yeah.
2: It looks like the drummer in my old band, but with a cowboy hat. <laughs>
0: Alrighty then. I think that's a wrap. So, once again, thank you. This has been Press B to Cancel. I was your host, Werewolf. W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. I can be found here, Twitter, and Twitch. How about yourself, Jake?
3: I know, I'm sick, Jake. I'm on Twitch and Twitter. I stream at least once every six months. And I'm looking at improving that goal in 2020. You're doing quarterly at this point. I'm proud of you. Well, I'm working hard, man.
0: Yeah, up that average, man.
2: Yeah, baby.
3: I'm going to apply for partner with Twitch. You think they'll take <laughs> me?
2: It never hurts to try.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: GP. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Guy Prime from the Retro Therapy. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, or here at Press B to cancel
0: Just follow the face of Retro. He'll lead you there.
2: If not, just look
1: for and A
0: face. And Pulse.
2: Yeah, look for <laughs> I'm Pulse109, 109, P-A-L-S-H 109. You can find me here and at twitch.tv slash
3: Pulse109.
0: Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.
3: Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Ancient, found on SoundCloud or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressb2cancel.com as well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been...
0: Trusty Dugansel.